Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to Wrestle Culture. Wrestling. Buddy's not even cold in the ground yet. It's not even got that theme anymore. Half our listeners like, what the frick is that song? Oh man. Only the real cool kids know the, the new track about soda. Controller's not even fat in 2021, <laughs> brother. Catch up. <laughs> Man's a sir. Yeah, R.I.P. Stroman Express. I'm Adam Wilmore from What Culture. <laughs> Joe Michael James and Michael Ampler from What Culture. Discuss, yeah, another eventful week in the world of wrestling. And, of course, review AEW Double or Nothing. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, I don't know, uh, subscribe. There's going to be someone out there. <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AW Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews. We've got an interview with Nick Aldis coming out tomorrow. Uh, Roundtable discussions and a round of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Phil and a handful. Thanks for bearing I did say just before we started recording, bear with me for this intro. But it was worth (laughs) it, wasn't it, Hamlet? That's a hospital pass of all, but I'm not a WrestleCulture regular. (laughs) I need, I need warming up with that sort of stuff. I thought at least you'd throw it a fill with having to deal with that shit. Like, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, like, um, bloody sad about all the releases this week. I'm sure it won't turn into patter within 48 hours. So, how are you, Phil? Just <laughs> <laughs> saying, Thomas the Tank Engine, and you're going to put on the serious. Oh, yeah, this is really nice. <laughs> uh, the difference in presenters in this place. Oh. Um, yeah, I can't, was there a question? I can't even remember anymore. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, Phil, your reaction uh, to, to these releases? I'm not. I'm not making light of uh, of people losing their jobs, of course. But it is we're trying to trying to find humour in these dark times. Mm. Uh, Phil, you, I take it you were as shocked as the rest of us when that news broke on what was it Wednesday afternoon? Yeah, yeah, it's mental. It just keeps coming. We thought 
like Tom Phillips was going to be one of the more shocking releases that we didn't see coming. And then all of a sudden we've got Braun Strowman on the chopping block and like the likes of Alistair Black, who they've just started up a brand new story and a brand new feud and then got bored of it like what four weeks into it and moved on. It's yeah, mental. Some of the names in this just don't make any sense whatsoever. Smackdown's down to seven female competitors mm. now. So that's good. Um, uh, yeah, I don't understand any of these ones. Like out of all of them, like a lot of the time it sounds harsh, but like you can kind of see it, like either they've not been used on TV in yeah. like a really long time. And like you can see people that like might be thinking in, in the wings, like, oh, this might be me. But these ones just came completely out of left field. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think I said this at the time. Uh, a friend of mine texted me about Baron Corbin because we'd, we'd heard this news about a major WWE release coming. And a friend of mine said, do you reckon it could be Baron Corbin? And I was like, no, he's in the middle of crown stuff with Shinsuke Nakamura. So there's no way there's no way they're going to get rid of someone, you know, in like you say, Phil, in and around a storyline or who maybe, you know, featured in a major title picture in the last month or so. They're not going like. I didn't want to speculate prior, but when you think like major WWE releases, my mind went to someone like Jeff Hardy, who, again, I'm not wishing anyone to be released, but you're like, well, he's only really being used on main event. And, you know, he's, he's a legend and he certainly, you know, would, could, would and probably could come back to company as and when they need him, but they don't need him right now. And but not bloody Alistair Black and Braun Strowman, along with the other names as well. Like Lana's just been in and around the title picture for months, Phil. Yeah, they seemed obsessed with that Lana, Naomi, Mandy Rose, Dana book match. They love that match. They've been doing it all the goddamn time on Raw. Um, yeah, and it's like I say, it just completely out of left field. Doesn't make any sense. I think, like, <laughs> was it PW Insider were reporting last week that they kept the Alistair Black storyline off TV so it could kind of like ruminate for a little bit and like mm. give it a bit of time to build? Nope, <laughs> nope, not that. Not that's not the reason. And um, Hamlet said, so you said yourself when we were doing the SmackDown preview earlier on today, like you forget Ruby Wright was literally on telly with the tag team champions last week. Yeah, it's crazy. I was like, we, I managed to finally get Miller onto the SmackDown review podcast last week because Gareth left me and I've been threatening to do it for ages, but like the timing's never actually <laughs> lined up, uh, but he was on it. And we were just talking about how like ridiculous it is, how they're using Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan because they just come them on. They're, they're on TV all the time, but all the time they're completely losing. Like mm. they're always in there somewhere, but it's not like they were ever forgotten about. It's not like they were like left behind the scenes and not used for ages. They were always there and always on TV. They just happened to be losing all the time. And now they've released Ruby Riot. And it's like this women's tag team scene, absolutely desperate for tag teams and people in it. And the only like, arguably a, a tag team that has been working really really hard to be a tag team mm. like they've got the riot squad they like got their gear sorted and they're like uh, they're even in the losing efforts on smackdown like every time they seem to pull out a new like tag team move and things and it looks like they've been putting a lot of effort in behind the scenes to try and make it work no matter what they were given by wwe and then like someone that's like actively working hard to try and do better and then yeah at least it's it doesn't make any sense <laughs> Yeah, Hamlet, we've, we've talked, uh, we did an entire podcast about it earlier on this week, but it, it doesn't get any easier to talk about afterwards. And, you know, yet again, the, 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 the talk of this leads to us speculating about the future of WWE on the whole. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I, I, I use Bailey, I think, as an example, when we did our releases podcast, the idea that I would come to you both and say, 
oh guys Bailey's been released and you could say well that can't be possible not Bailey like you you absolutely can't and then it doesn't take you that long in your Braun Strowman argument to be why it couldn't be him or that long in a Splack argument as to why it can be him or Ruby Riot I don't know if it was on Smackdown last week or if I was so into Smackdown that I was then watching ancillary content but I recall the Riot Squad shooting an angle last week about how they've got to get serious again they've got to get back on track and it felt like that was the start of something as if as if all those losses weren't just for the sake of it, as if they're, all those losses that Phil references weren't just being tossed off, they were actually going to turn it into something. So all of that has just been dropped cold. Everybody can be dropped cold. Um, yeah, like we're hinting towards this WWE sale, which is like, it's weird, right? It's as, if you turn to wrestling Twitter for either your news from the sources that you trust or your crack from the content producers, hello from all three of us, you might trust, or whatever it is, <laughs> you'll find as many people earnestly believing it's going to happen as not. And that's as much to do with Vince McMahon because lots of very sound-minded people have suggested with some evidence, with some rationale and reason that everything here is being prepped for a sale. Then there's just as much rationale and reason on the other side. Well, no, because Vince McMahon. Like nobody can even visualise a world, a WWE without Vince McMahon in it. So not until he's shuffled off this mortal coil or in his case, I guess, swaggered arms flailing off this <laughs> will this even be a conversation um and yet going back to that rational and reasonable argument for it happening cost cutting budget cuts various people being surplus to requirement at the literal expense of the product that's the thing i keep thinking about with alistair black and, and ruby right and to a lesser extent braun Strowman. but as you kind of put it this week when we did our releases pod wilborn nobody you don't want to think of anybody as dead wood but unfortunately, when a release talk comes around, you look at people that just simply aren't involved or aren't getting used or, or the ones that are like at that bottom rung that maybe themselves are maybe thinking, maybe I want to be released because I just don't want to come to work and sit around and not get used or whatever. Almost none of these people fell into that category. Like if we're being really, really harsh, Santana Garrett wasn't being used on NXT because the rumor was she was coming up to the main roster. So mm. she would maybe, maybe classify as that. But even that was a little bit of a shock. I feel like we're edging closer to... WWE releasing all of their wrestlers and having nobody on contract and then just renting them back from this giant database like on Championship Manager or something like that. <laughs> like, if it really is about keeping costs low, just have nobody on the books and then think, oh, we need to put a card together for next week. Well, who's in the pot? Well, he's there, she's there, they're there. Uh, they've just signed for AWE, so we can't use them, but we'll keep an eye because we've heard they're only on a six-month deal. He's working in New Japan, but he'll be back in time for the Survivor Series. But they could run their entire business like that for all week, like sort of... For all it matters weekly, and we know because we talk about it every week, for all so much of this does not matter weekly, like it sort of frightens me as a fan just how threadbare this roster could get and mm. how much, how more cuts they could do that we would deem unthinkable on the surface. Mm. Um, wrestlers will probably be worried. And what's worst of all is that that's probably how Vincent Mann or his gang of higher ups like it. They mm. want those guys to be the, the spirit of competition that all the old guards wish was in the Attitude Era. It's, it's different now. Times are different. Um, so is this a new way to try and inspire a bit of fear in them instead? It's, it's not nice. It's really unpleasant. Bill, before I get your thoughts on a possible WWE sale, it just got compounded even more today. Uh, I know you edited the news and, and me and Andy were talking about the fact that Vince McMahon sat there going... Just don't get what it is with uh, Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy and uh, who needs Braun Strowman? I've got three other massive guys anyway. It, <laughs> it, it, it defies belief sometimes, I think, the words that comes out of, well, allegedly, according to Dave Meltz, the words that come out of his mouth, eh? 
yeah, doesn't get their wrestling style for Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy. Like, what's not to get? They're very good at wrestling. <laughs> it's quite obvious, and you can see it in everything they do. And yeah, Braun Strowman, it's okay because we've got Omos and Commander Aziz now. We don't need any other big dudes. Like, Braun Strowman is the most WWE guy you could possibly picture. Like, if you're going to draw down a WWE superstar, maybe without the beard, but everything else about him <laughs> is just screams like Vince McMahon. I would absolutely love this guy. And maybe they just got bored of their own toy. They booked him into the ground. Like, they had it at one point. He was over as Rover and, like, could be the next, like, big thing. And then they just kept on messing with him and messing with him and messing with him. And then they chucked him in a swamp and then like just done all these things. And now Vince is just like, ah, oh, he's a bit, he's a bit rubbish now, isn't he? Like, and he, and he's because of you, you idiot. It's like a child getting bored of a toy because they've broken it and like taken its arms off. It's like, oh, it doesn't have an arm now. I don't want to play with this anymore. <laughs> I don't want to use this as a like a cheap plug to an article coming soon to whatculture.com about 10 ways WWE booking failed Braun Strowman. Um, it's by your second favorite, Michael, at What Culture. But, um, <laughs> I will say that for Vince to suggest that he is surplus leads us back to beating that dead horse again, doesn't it? Well, how do your wrestlers become surplus? You make them that way. Yeah. <laughs> like we, we go back to the Iconics. Well, we don't really see what value the Iconics got anymore. Probably because you, for no good reason, split them up. Mm. You know, like these have never, like these wrestlers have never been any less autonomous. And then it's them that get to suffer the consequences of loads of other people's decisions. Well, I say loads of other people's, loads of other people's informed by one, one guy's decisions. It's never on the wrestlers and yet their lives and careers hanging about. It's where we, last year, like having a good laugh at Retribution, there was points where it was like, we can't laugh at this because this is career threatening stuff. Like now we know that we're back in the world of cuts. It's all well and good to rag on Retribution and T-Bar and complain that Slapjack's not getting a push. But, like, that's so bad that this could be the end of their careers. <laughs> like, it stops being a laughing matter when you think, well, this is the upshot. If they fail so hard, they'll just be gone. Just looking, because I was trying to remember the other stuff that happened about Braun Strowman's WrestleMania record, which is <laughs> WrestleMania 32. He was there, wasn't he, for the Rowan Rock match? Yeah. yeah. WrestleMania 33. Oh, he's going to be the next big thing here. Oh, he didn't didn't win the Battle Royal. That got won by Mojo Rawley through Gronk. <laughs> That's my 34. Win the tag titles with now what culture employee Nicholas. <laughs> That's my 35. We were there. He won the Battle Royal, but almost lost to Saturday Night Live Goop. Saturday Night Live Goobers. That's my 36. It's official, Michael Hamlet. <laughs> Days before WrestleMania replaces uh Roman Reigns, defeats Goldberg, wins the Universal Championship. WrestleMania 37, as Hamlet tweeted earlier on this week, goo stuff, and then he beats <laughs> he beats Shane McMahon. It's just bonkers. Uh, but Phil, your your thoughts because I'm fascinated. It's so everyone at What Culture seems to have a different opinion on this. Your thoughts on a potential WWE for sale sign being put up in Stamford? I I, do, I there's something with Vince McMahon and WWE that I just can't ever see him willingly selling it to a third party like maybe stepping down and giving it down to stephanie and trips or something maybe you could see that at some point when he physically can't walk anymore maybe or something but just to pass it on to someone else and just like sell the whole thing i just can't i can't picture it at all there's no like possible outcome in any of this that in my mind ends up with vince mcmahon letting go of his 
baby that he's like worked on for all this time. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I just I just can't see it. I can't picture it at all. Uh, you reminded me of something I got very angry about earlier on this week, Hamlet. Uh, and it's something I've been perpetually angry about for over a year now, and that is how WWE books their talent and then goes, bit crap this, isn't it? <laughs> Shayna Baszler. I tweeted about her. I can't stop myself. I tweeted about her at the start of this week. I'll say this again. I tweeted, how do you piss up WWE? And the picture of her after that. Some people were like, oh, you were, you, were, you were all over her when she won that Elimination Chamber. No, let's go and watch the footage. Let's go and watch me and Phil Chambers. and how there for everyone to see how into that we were. <laughs> we were going, this is fantastic. And everyone's like, this is rubbish. And we we're like, we all about it. It's brilliant. But there's that shot of her winning the Elimination Chamber. And that's what I used. Uh, big response from people. Divisive response on Twitter. But, I mean, where where did it all go wrong? And it, it, it's aside from being called up from NXT, Hamlet, how did they screw her up so much? Because I went away on my honeymoon and I came back and Adam Cleary looked at me and said, so Shayna Baszler uh, bites people on the neck now. And I went, excuse me? So what was that the catalyst for it all going wrong? Or was it was it what I keep coming back to, which is don't have a lose to Becky Lynch at WrestleMania? You live a year and a week in pro wrestling now. On Tuesday, there was nothing more disgusting than the state of Shayna Baszler on Raw. On Wednesday, loads of people got sacked. And it's like, you should be lucky that you're fighting a doll, Shayna, actually. <laughs> you should be bloody grateful that random objects are causing you to have wobbly legs in the middle of a match. Like, this is the greatest job in the world, Shayna. Um, but yeah, like switching gears to wrestlers that maybe wish they could get fired. Shayna Baszler, uh, it all went wrong, I think, when she lost to Becky Lynch. Not because that loss wasn't recoverable it was but she showed a remarkable lack of interest in recovering it and I think that spoke to Vincent Mann's remarkable lack of interest in her you know she just went into money in the bank oh never mind I didn't win at like shambles into a tag team with Nia Jax which she's not even the focus of and it's like yeah fine whatever Shayna Baszler would not tolerate a slap in NXT without breaking somebody's arm in response and I just think the manner in which they because as like Think about Elimination Chamber. Like we were all very pro of this, as you've said. I do remember it was divisive, but the other half of the divide were foolish. It was awesome. Um, that was a two-pronged recovery job. She'd not won the rumble at the uh they gave it to Charlotte Flair. Mm. She'd been a vampire on Raw. So it wasn't just oh, she's here and she's being Shayna Baszler. It's oh, she's here, and Christ, we better show people who Shayna Baszler actually is because we've already kind of botched it. Like, so the Becky Lynch thing losing was less than ideal but the fact that she'd already done like already had those missteps and then lost to becky lynch all of a sudden the elimination chamber becomes the rule proving exception mm. rather than oh it's all so good you look back on that now that was the one night they got a right everything else has been a wash all of it and it just it's you know it's it's boring now to talk about how all the old nxt call-ups just die on the main roster not all of them, obviously, but you know what I mean? Like all the, all the ones that you just have so much hope for, it all just goes to pieces when they get to the main roster. That's such a dead issue because it's just, it's so constant and consistent. But um, if this is their, if this is their first idea for Shayna Baszler heading back into the singles division, which is to like feud with Alexa Bliss and a doll. I mean, for one, I suppose it's marginally better than Alexa Bliss and Lily winning the tag belts. But if this is their idea for her, like entryway back into singles competition, 
keep your expectations low because Alexa Bliss probably wins the feud. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Will, this yeah. is this is not like a sort of like I I think you pointed this out on our Raw review. Those takes that were like because oh they've lost a tag match but like Shayna's had enough she's put on a leather jacket and she's going to go deal with this that we're alluding to the idea that, like oh, the real Shayna Baszler's back like the work of a psychopath the mm. tweet of an absolute psychopath what the hell were you watching if you thought ah finally we're getting back to business Queen of Spades for horsewomen it's a in doll yeah Mate. yeah. I, uh, I couldn't get over people saying that. And uh, Phil, well, as with many things on, on Monday Night Raw, I have no hope. But Phil, uh, I don't blame you if you're not keeping up with Monday Night Raw. You get the fun of SmackDown with like Roman Reigns and that brilliant stuff with the Usos and the Mysterios and you lucky bastard. Anyway, um, yeah, in case you missed it, Phil, <coughs> Shayna basically got pinned by Carmella's wine bloke on Raw this week because of Pyro. <laughs> Yeah, I don't watch Raw. I'm not going to lie and say that I do, because, but I do edit ups and downs, so I get the gist of it through that. So literally, Simon Miller watches Raw, so I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I saw this, and yeah, she lost, the only person to have lost to Reginald so far, and <laughs> she specifically addressed a doll saying, I don't like you very much. Genuinely wouldn't be surprised if at some point in an eventual match between her and Alexa Bliss, like the lights go off and then the lights come back on and Lily is pilling her, pinning her and the ref just goes, okay then, and goes one, two, three, and Lily wins the match. Like at this point, it would not surprise me. Um, but yeah, I'm glad Hamlet brought up the Royal Rumble because I was going to mention that as well. Like you come in and yes, you get the seven eliminations and I think she did she tie with Bianca Belair for like the most amount of eliminations in one rumble in the first thing and it's like oh my god she's here she's on the main roster but then yeah she didn't win it and it, it was like a little bit like the elimination chamber was rehab already for someone who you've only just brought up and should be this <laughs> monster that you're leading into uh, Wrestlemania to make believe that she's gonna beat the man this epic character has been born over the last few months it's she was, yeah, onto a losing battle straight away as soon as she came up. And this now, where's the breakup of Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler? Like, WWE love breaking up tag teams. Love it! It's their favourite thing to do from, like, the Iconics and Heavy Machinery and Andrade and Angel Garza and countless, countless others. You could be here all day listing them all that they've broken up over, like, the last year or whatever. And the one that they've been teasing for ages are possibly going to break up at some point is the one you're not breaking up and you're just doing this weird side story with Shayna Baszler and Alexa Bliss. It makes absolutely no sense. Why aren't you just having Shayna Baszler destroy Nia Jax completely in a match where she looks like a bit of a beast and go from there? It's Why do they take the most convoluted route possible to something that should be so goddamn simple and instead they're just making out news to Reginald and start talking to a doll? It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's bad. That's what it is, Phil. It's just bad. <laughs> Genuinely, cannot wait for fans to be back just to see how much they crap all over WWE. Oh. <laughs> 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, speaking of fans coming back, uh, we have to talk a little bit about Double or Nothing. Hamlet, you and I, along with Sidgwick, did a, a major review of it, which is available right now. So, Phil, I'm just going to lean on you a bit more for this one. Uh, what was your favourite moments of Double or Nothing and your reaction when Sting did the thing? <laughs> I was going to say favourite moments has to be the Sting doing the thing. He got bloody powerbombed on the ramp and then he did a bloody crossbody off the ramp. It's absolutely mental to anyone who was saying about like, oh, they better be careful with Sting in AEW. He knows what he can do. He knows what his body is available to do. And um, my God, did he show everyone why he's still absolutely bloody brilliant. It was fantastic. And to have fans back for it as well is just absolutely oh. great. Um, John Moxie's entrance, easy one, absolutely oh. fantastic. Just the pop of the fans is just, ah, oh, fans being back and crowded in a building. It's just so nice. Um, what else? I honestly genuinely really loved the finish to the main to the uh, Kenny Omega match, the little mm. sneaky roll up. And when Orange Cassidy finally thought he's come in, especially with how they've been building this Kenny Omega character. And then just to have like your main, say main event, but like your title match end with a sneaky roll up by a guy like Kenny Omega at your first match with your first show back with fans. I just think it's just so perfect for that character mm. to be able to get that pop from the fans and especially doing it to a guy like Orange Cassidy, who just everybody adores. I just think that in itself was an absolutely fantastic little moment on the pay-per-view. Um, the only bad side of the whole show, I didn't really like the stadium stampede match. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't that into it. <laughs> I don't know what everyone else thoughts are here. But yeah, I just, I wasn't feeling it. I don't think the feud was right first stadium stampede and, and like the kind of comedy that they got in there i don't think fits the feud at all in the way it is and it just some of it it just felt like it was a bit shoehorned in and it didn't really fit i don't know there was just something off about it that i just i didn't really relate to it i didn't yeah i didn't buy into it at all it was weird and i was disappointed by it but i also didn't have sky high expectations going in i suppose i still maintain that whatever happened in the body of the match um, would have been made better by a pinnacle win. 
Um, I'm not thick. And I, I could tell what they were doing. Like people were hammering me on Monday morning. I'd gone to sleep. I woke up, well, I say I went to sleep. I, you know, I like tried to close my eyes for half an hour because the show finished at half five and I was back up at six. But um, like I woke up to a number of pissed off AEW fans reminding me about the metaphorical connotations of starting in the empty ring in the past and moving to the present day in this huge like Judas party. Then I'm not thick. I got, I got that right. Like it was a really nice party atmosphere at the end that like they could have this moment with the fans again, that we'd all talked about how nice it was going to be for the fans to be able to have their, like a Judas sing along. Um, for all I can, I'm sometimes a little bit Chris, critical of Chris Jericho's spiraling Eagle. Like you can have one. And it was a really good one. It was a really nice one. Mm. Sammy Guevara got more over as a singles guy at the end. Um, but yeah, like again, it's, it's clearly a very subjective one, this one, but, and you know, as, kind of Phil's pointed out there, it didn't match his own personal taste. It didn't match mine either, or my expectations. I I just, I don't feel it. I don't know what I'm supposed to feel for the pinnacle, but one thing I don't feel is enthusiasm. I'm not interested and entertained by the stable at present. They feel more well, the like... All the stuff in the bar just felt oh, so no, like, like, shoehorned in that just does not fit their characters at all. It was like Very unusual of AEW to craft um, a scene that looked reminiscent of one of those Raw Legends nights where there's three legends <laughs> that you don't know all disconnected at a party that looks terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, like the, the, the construction... It was just like the whole thing felt very forced. Stadium Stampede last year, like I don't know... Everybody's got their own like memories, I guess, of Stadium Stampede and indeed May 2020. But I don't think it's too great, like an overstatement, to say like Stadium Stampede 1 was like there to save wrestling fans' lives last year. You know, it was there to have something, anything to cling on to. It was a, a flash of ingenious creativity in a time where there was virtually nothing else, nowhere else to turn to. It was wrestling as escapism. If wrestling was going to exist at all, when we were told that we weren't allowed to hug our family while they were doing arm drags on each other, it had to exist for the most ludicrous form of escapism. And they nailed it with Stadium Stampede, a euphoric memory for all of us. Um, when they announced Stadium Stampede 2, I think the general consensus was, oh, it's not going to be like the first one because this feud is serious. This feud needs to feel like violent and dangerous and last year was about something entirely different this year is about an actual storyline where you know there's like baby faces that are fighting to stay together there's heels that are like it to put them out forever it's going to be totally different and it sort of wasn't a lot of it was tribute act stuff to last year it lacked the creativity of last year's match so you're thinking not only am i watching a tribute act to a match that no longer needs to occur because there's five thousand people in the building next door but i'm also watching something that is no longer necessary to the viewing audience at home because like, I've had pints with my friends, so I don't need to watch Hangman Page and Jake Hager having a beer because I've been able to be fortunate enough to go for a beer myself. What I want now is a wrestling feud in front of wrestling fans, and I think that missed the mark. And we're recording this, obviously, before a Friday Night Dynamite. So, I like, critical is probably an overstatement, but I think the next steps are crucial because mm. MJF did not, like, deviously plan and plot for eight months to put Chris Jericho out for a week and then lose a big match. That's the sum total of his master plan. Mm. It's not very MJF, is it? Like, I just, I don't know. Like, if this is what they've plotted all along, I think they've got it wrong. And I'd like to think as a result, they didn't plot this all along and maybe they've 
changed their mind on the fly or they've dealt with dif- different circumstances. Captain Hindsight would say you swap these matches around and you do yeah. stadium stampede on television and blood and guts on mm-hmm. pay-per-view for the full yeah. crowd. But I think that's unfair because you're not going to know that until both have happened. But perfect world, you'd have reversed these. Yeah. I will say as well, like I was going to say, um, like the pinnacle <clears throat> in everything that they are and stand for and do, they should feel like kind of cool. Like they're the bad guys. They've got the suits and the money and like the as a group, they should feel like, like above you, but also like kind of cool at the same time. And there was nothing that they did in that match. Like none of them came off as looking like cool bad guys in that match at all. They, if anything, came across kind of looking a bit like dorks. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you want from a faction like the Pinnacle, like as early on in their run as it is. I the Inner it. Circle can get away with it because they've always been doing this stuff with like their talk show and stuff. But the Pinnacle should be something different. And they kind of got dragged into the Inner Circle's dorkiness. <laughs> I love him, but I thought Short Spears was going to go into a musical number one. He was sitting around with those bloody chairs at some point. Um, <laughs> final word on, on Double or Nothing, Phil. Uh <laughs> I don't. Know, I saw people asking us over the weekend. They're like, "Oh, what's your pick for for the Joker for the, the Casino uh, Battle Royal and, and the winner?" None of us picked a Leo Rush and B Jungle Boy. A, a genius decision on both parts, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Leo Rush was on nobody's um, radar, and they also didn't like overplay their hand like they yeah. have done in the past with these things, which I think is is part of the huge reason why it's pulled off and worked so well. But he's a great fit for AEW. Um, and I think he'll absolutely smash it over there. And Jungle Boy, just for that ending of that match alone with that little back and forth between him and Christian Cage was absolutely fantastic. And just the sheer amount that the crowd was behind Jungle Boy for it and then to get the big victory at the end, I think is absolutely perfect. It'll be a great match to elevate Jungle Boy a little bit through having a match with Kenny Omega. He's obviously not going to win, but he doesn't need to. He, this, the fact that he's in that position will elevate him alone. And yeah, you can't, you can't come out of that match listening to that crowd thinking, oh, they've made the wrong choice here like, at all. Like, he is mm. so, so over, and it's just added him to that next level. It's, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I'll tell you what was super cool about Wild Thing for John Moxley and Where Is My Mind for Orange Cassidy is that it allowed everybody to forget about Baltimore. <laughs> like, nobody even considered until the Battle Royal how awesome that was going to be because yeah. we had other songs that we were excited to see playing <laughs> live. And it's like, oh, God, yeah, he paid for that. Like and then getting like hearing those um was it was it I can't remember it wasn't you deserve it or something like that. there was a chant that you can imagine being piped in uh dot wav in the Thunderdome and it was just happening yeah. for real over this perfect song as a celebration like oh fans actually feel this they actually like the baby face that has been selected for the big push it's just it's a nice feeling. Uh, before we move on to today's hashtag bloody good quiz, Phil, I saw this news story and I thought, well, the moment we report this, I have to find out what Phil's thoughts on it on Friday are. Molly Holly reportedly backstage at Raw this week, uh, try out, potentially becoming a producer for the company. Are, are you like me, me with this one, Phil, in terms of you like, oh, well, that'd be great, but also... Uh, she's too good for WWE. You'll ruin her. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's absolutely great. I think she's a fantastic talent and I think she'll have a lot to offer um, like new people and things like that in touch, like teaching them. However, it's WWE. They don't deserve, they don't deserve Molly Holly at all in any way, shape or form. She's too good for this world, let alone uh, WWE. 
and I, yeah I wish that she'd go to somewhere like AEW because I just feel like they'd be a bit nicer <laughs> nicer people <laughs> and it's just a nicer environment just poor Molly Holly well maybe maybe she'll be the catalyst for change in WWE I was gonna say, you just sprinkle in that little bit of niceness and it'll just spread slowly within the sort of roots of WWE the hard crusty horrible roots of WWE <laughs> Hamlet, she maybe, the, maybe she'll be the force, force to change for good. Yeah, Hamlet, she could be the, the polar opposite of when Vince in, injected WWE with the NWO. It's like the, the opposite <laughs> of a lethal dose of poison. <laughs> Ironic considering that's what he'd consider an actual dose of poison is just being nice. He's like, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't know what to do with it. Oh, I'm talking, I'm, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Like, I fully predict uh, Molly Holly to go to waste as a coach, but it's okay because then she moves to AEW and just has some of the best matches of the year uh, because that's the new pattern for their female coaches. Uh, I look forward to the Molly go round on Britt Baker when um, Molly oh. becomes a AEW Women's World Champion in the year's time. No, it's it's nice. It's just nice. Um, one of the nicest ever Hall of Fame stories ever was Beth Phoenix one about Molly Holly paying for a training unsolicited um, gave her the money for like I think left the money behind like Beth Phoenix got there and was like your bills paid and it was just Molly Holly because she just cared enough about the future and saw how much work Beth Phoenix was putting into it and it's those kind of things that like never get mentioned until somebody is able to use their spotlight to mention it and every time somebody uses a spotlight to talk about Molly Holly it just makes her even nicer than she was before so even her own spotlight to use that yeah. to be incredibly humble and completely without ego and put over everyone that you never hear anyone put over and like take her her moment in the sun to just shine a light on other people. And it's like, she can't even use it for herself to put herself over. So. I, I hope whatever they're paying her, um, like ultimately she ends up on double because they realize just how necessary she is. Um, and then when they release her, she gets this awesome like 90 day payout to get to sit at home and do nothing on that double money as well. <laughs> like I just want nice things for Molly Holly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and a good word on what you said there, Hamlet. Uh, homework for you. If like me, you just watch the main card of Double or Nothing, go and watch Serena. Oh, God, yes. Riho. My word. What a f- the, up there with, I think Hamlet said at the time, some of the best, whatever you want to call them, kickoff, buy in, whatever you're calling it, pre show matches it's up there with the, with the best of them in my opinion so well worth checking that out uh, and uh, well speaking of Serena Deep she gets a very nice mention from Nick Aldis who I chatted with earlier on this week the full interview of which uh, will be out on our YouTube channel uh, and is out as a podcast tomorrow uh, ahead of uh, Nick defending the NWA World Heavyweight Championship against Trevor Murdoch at When Our Shadows Fall uh, this Sunday at a reasonable time Afternoon in America, which means we can actually watch it here in the UK. If you want it, it's going to be on fight uh, on pay-per-view there. Uh, It's well worth checking out the interview, though. That's going to be out tomorrow, as I said. And uh, what needs to happen next after Double or Nothing with myself and Michael Sidrick is the podcast. uh, The Get the Table that is coming out on Sunday as well. But enough of all this. It's now time for a bloody good quiz. And this week's quiz is brought to you by Jojo Nix. If you want your name associated with a hashtag Bloody Good Quiz, just subscribe to What Cool Dressing and leave us a five-star review on there. Or as Jojo did, one star. Jojo gave us a one-star <laughs> review, right? Just says, get this out. I don't even remember this happening. It was the start of this month, right, Amplet? First of June, I think, Jojo left this review. One yeah. star. 
and it just says purely for the hate of Big John. Talking about John Cena. When do we slag off John Cena? Well, never, never, ever. I've cracked this code already, Wilborn. One star. What the star ratings do, right? Ultimately, they affect the spread of the podcast. They jimmy the algorithms a little bit so that you fall in the podcast charts. Oh. What are the initials of Joe Joe? <laughs> and who is the only podcast above us in the podcast charts? Getting a little bit worried, were you? The evidence is there. Ain't he great, man? Ain't he great? Like, don't piss him off. We're just a bunch of slap nuts to that guy. Fair play, Jeff. Thank you for the one star. Thanks for listening. <laughs> also, like, that was, that was like when we went WWE, we were like, oh, can you crack a code? Like, they're, yeah. they're like, X plus one, two, and then whatever. It was the worst code ever. Oh, what, what could it all mean? I suppose they, they did that. Was that before or after? Everyone went, it's Sting in the shed. And then he went, no, 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 it's not, it's not, it's not. <laughs> Love that crap, man. Honestly, on forums at the time, it was like, uh, is that Sting's chin? No, I think you'll find it's Shawn Michaels' chin. Look at this uh, diagram. we got a blueprint. It's like Charlie from It's Always Sunny with a bunch of chins on a wall. It's just like, nah, it's uh, definitely Shawn Michaels' chin. I think you'll find it's The Undertaker's chin. Uh, actually, I've got this picture of Sting without face paint. It's his chin. It's his, uh, 1990, it's his 1990 chin, not to be confused with his Crow era 1997 chin, actually. Brilliant. Great times. Oh, a load of bollocks that was. Anyway. Oh, yes. Thanks, thanks Jeff Jarrett, for that one-star review. Yeah, we, we're, on, we're on to you. We'll take our slot back. So I thought I'd write a quiz in memory of all the recently released WWE wrestlers with some alternative facts about them. Uh just going to be having a lot of having a lot of fun writing this quiz. I've got to be perfectly honest. Usual rules apply though. Uh, Ten questions, multiple choice. Shout your name. Wait for me to come to you. And most of all, lads, it is just for fun. Are you both ready? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Question number one. It gets harder. I promise. Question one. Before the Wyatt family, which gang was Braun Strowman a part of? Was it? Titus, well, right. Hamlet, the rosebuds in the Exotic Express is. Ah, the of course, I, I figured you might have guessed that. So the other options are going to be Titus Worldwide, the NWO, Adam Rose's Rosebuds, or LAX. You know. <laughs> uh, okay. Question two. Again, according to the internet, this is not my fault. This isn't actually true. Tommy comes in and says, that's not true. What is Alistair Black's favourite movie of all time? Is it Fight Club, Aliens, Gremlins or The Thing? Ooh. I'm Phil. Oh, Hamflet just got in there before you, Phil. I'm going to go with Gremlins. It's not Gremlins, oh. although that did terrify him as a child, he said. <laughs> uh, I was going to go with The Thing. The Thing, Phil, is his second favourite oh, movie. <laughs> it was Aliens, not, oh. not to pick a fight club. <laughs> 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 okay. Question three. Which award did Lana win from Rolling Stone in 2015? 
Was it lame duck of the year, worst baby face, most underappreciated performer, or worst storyline? Hamlet. I want to. Let's not throw just Lana under the bus. Let's throw all four of them. Can it be worst storyline? It is. Yeah, man. Ziegler and Reese and Summer Rae and all that. And fish. Fish. God, fish. I forgot about that giant fish. <laughs> fish. Reese <laughs> just loves chucking giant animals about, doesn't he? That's his... I wouldn't be surprised if we look back, look back, Hamlet, and we found out that that was also Florida. And it's like a Florida fishmongers who've then gone on to make two <laughs> bollocks tomatoes. <laughs> Do you remember as well, there was like this sort of bit where like um, Lana's being Americanized, hanging out with Dolph Ziggler. So like one week she's got denim and then the next week he's like trying to teach her like how to say things in a bit more of an American accent. And it goes from like her doing a full on ravishing Russian Rocky Four voice to the next week sounding like Marie saying, John, as Nikki Bella, <laughs> all of the Russian had disappeared. And it was like, oh, hang on, they've got a gear for real. Walk it back, walk it back. <laughs> Uh, I can uh, tell you. He never had a chance, did he? No. <laughs> Poor I can tell you uh, there wasn't a worst baby face award. There were winners though in the Rolling Stone in 2015 for those other two. Lame Duck of the Year. Take a take a stab. Oh, Roman Reigns. Oh, good. What now, year was it? Uh, 2015. God, I can barely remember last week. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. It was Seamus, apparently. Ah, oh, okay. But you, I reckon I could give you 20 guesses and you wouldn't guess most underappreciated performer. 2015 <laughs> was, of course, Kane! What? <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> anyway, let's move on. 2-0 uh, Tampler. Question four. Who did Ruby Riot, although of course she wasn't called this when she was wrestling there, she was Heidi Lovelace. Uh, who did Ruby Riot hold the Shimmer tag titles with? Was it Dakota Kai, Tessa Blanchard, The Bunny, or Mia Yim? Pamphlet. Was it Dakota Kai? It was Dakota Kai as part of Team Slap Happy. Yeah. I just I didn't know that fact. I thought it was amazing that. I feel like that might be one of the few pre WWE. Ruby Wright matches I've actually seen <laughs> showing my uh, Ruby Wright weakness there. I'm hopefully going to see a lot more now. That's the yeah. main thing, anyway. Yeah. Uh, really like this question. Question five. Where in Australia is Buddy Murphy from? <laughs> is it Brisbane? Is it God. Melbourne? Is it Sydney? Or is it Adelaide? <gasps> those, those options again? Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, Melbourne. Phil, I'm just going to stop this right now. <laughs> Adelaide. Oh, sorry, Phil, you shouted your name out. Was it? Was it Brisbane? No, nah, mate, it's not bloody Brisbane. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> just to recap, Hamlet. Your options now. No. Uh -huh. Melbourne, yeah. Sydney, yeah. Adelaide. That second one. Are you saying Melbourne, or are you recording a cameo for Adam Wilburn? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I'm going to go with Melbourne. Actually, you're bloody right, mate. He's been Bonza. I feel so sorry because I haven't written a second question 
for Buddy Murphy. So his only question is just like, funny Australian stuff. He's phenomenally talented. He ain't going to struggle to struggle to get a job anyway. Best of luck to question him. Ele- question 11 is a best kept secret. <laughs> question six. Which wrestling legend trained Santana Garrett? Uh, this is according to Wikipedia at the very least. Was it? One, thing, one of these things is not like the others. Was it Victoria... Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, or X-Pac? Phil, <laughs> <laughs> uh, was it X-Pac? It wasn't X-Pac. But it's Victorian. <laughs> it's do just I putting go... the others to pop us. <laughs> do I go with who I want or do I go with who I think? That's the question. <laughs> right, if it's him, she wants every belt putting on it, I'm going to go with Kevin Nash. It's not he's, Kevin Nash. He's never trained anybody. I like the only person he's trained is me, and he doesn't even know it. Like, uh, <laughs> Scott Hall. According to Wikipedia, right, yeah. Scott Hall. Who wow. Victoria is her favorite wrestler, or one of her favorite wrestlers, or a major influence on her, or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I was just like, oh, I'll just put Victoria in there as well. I've got, I've got three <laughs> options. I'll just throw her in there because it'll just mess them up a little bit. Uh, but yes, uh, Santana Garrett, another, another someone who's going to be massively utilized elsewhere because WWE bloody doing that with a ridiculous uh, question seven what would Ruby Wright have been according to her if she wasn't a wrestler was it a musician a teacher an artist or an actress Phil why not I'm on a bit of a winning streak <laughs> uh, a teacher yes Phil is yeah. on the board well done yeah, that was uh, surprising to read that. Just, I can't imagine that teacher walking She's another one that, like, everyone always has nice things to say yeah, about her, like, yeah. backstage mm. as well, though, which is why I thought that. I saw, I think it was Bailey. I think it was Bailey who tweeted yeah. about her buying flowers for all the female dog owners on Mother's Day, which I thought was just a lovely touch. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Again, more and more people just, just can't stop saying nice things about her. So, <sighs> what a bloody shame. Uh, okay, question eight. How many followers does Lana have on oh, Instagram? God. Is it 2.3 million, 2.8 million, 3.3 million, or 3.8 million? Pamphlet. I'll go with the third one. 3.3 million? Yeah. Is incorrect. Phil, ah. over to you. I'll go 2. with the big 3. one. 3.8. Phil Chambers racing back into this. It is here we go. 3.8 million. It's probably changed at the time of recording. It was 3.8. Now forget <laughs> it, Lana. Enough finished. to never have to think about working for <laughs> WWE ever again. <laughs> uh, okay, I think if my maths is correct, we have two questions to go, and it is four two to Hamford. Here we go. Come back, kid. Question nine. What? Is Alistair Black apparently scared of? Is it confined spaces, snakes, injections, or flying? You'd like to think it's not flying with the job that he has. Comfort. <laughs> injections. It's not injections. Ah, Bill, get topic. this right. On you're... topic, I see where you're going. What were the what were mm. they? Snakes? Flying or confined spaces. Oh, 
Well, the WWE did put him in a darkened room for a really long time, and they do like That's messing with people. Yeah. <laughs> they do like to make people in ladder matches with fear of heights. I'm going to go with the confined spaces. Phil Chambers, you know them so well. He is claustrophobic. <laughs> so they put him in a Adam, is that where they came up with the twatting dark room idea? Because Vince said he was scared of confined spaces. That's it, isn't it? 100%. Yeah, 100%. Assholes. <laughs> right, which means it comes down to my... Here we go. It comes down to my favourite question. Phil, get this right, and it's a tie. It's just for fun, of course, but still... I love this question. This is one of the first ones I wrote when I'm putting that at the end. When Braun... <laughs> when Braun Strowman was a strong man, he once got so large he couldn't do what? <laughs> is it? This, this just feels like the moment you were put on this earth to live. Well, honestly, like... Is it? Wear a watch... Put his own contact lenses in, tie his own shoelaces, or walk through doors normally. <laughs> I mean, fuck yeah, go through sideways. Once Roman's big, how big is he? <laughs> <laughs> Phil, I'm going to jump in before. Here I'm we go, Phil. Right, you're tied up. I feel here. like he'd have to walk through doors weird anyway, just because he's so tall. Mm-hmm. What were the other ones? Wear a watch, put his own contact lenses in, or tie his own shoelaces. But then I also feel like you'd want to get your options out before you say the real one in a question like this. I'm going to go with the door thing. It's not the door ah, thing. Ah, damn it. I, I, I don't think it is. I don't know. But this is not <laughs> the thing he said that he couldn't do anymore. Can I have the options again, please? What He got so large he couldn't do what? Wear a watch, put his contact lenses in, or tie his shoelaces. The contact lenses isn't like, I suppose you can't no physically you... bend his arms to his you face. You wouldn't be able to like, scratch your face or anything like that, would you? I'll go with, um, and I mean, you don't need to be a strong man to get big wrists. We all encounter that. I'm going to go with tying shoelaces. Is the correct answer. Yeah. Got those hands! <laughs> he apparently I think had to get his girlfriend at the time to tie his shoes for him oh I get it it's one of them oh I'm just too strong yeah, alright alright bro <laughs> whatever you say mate <laughs> so congratulations Michael Hamflit you are the winner of this week's quiz Phil I'm sorry best luck in your future endeavours mate um, <laughs> I... you said it was just for fun <laughs> <laughs> This has been Wrestle Culture. Let you know, let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed and how you got on on the hashtag Bloody Good Quiz on Twitter at What Culture WWE. Uh, watch there, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Phil Chambers at at Phil My Chambers, and you can follow Michael Hamlet at at Michael Hamlet, and you can follow Adam Wilborn at. Adam Wilborn follows all at What Culture WWE. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Tomorrow, of course, the SmackDown review with Phil and Gareth, if he's not been replaced by Simon Miller again. Uh, and as I mentioned, <laughs> that full interview with NWA World Heavyweight Champion Nick, all this fascinating chat, even talking about which WWE superstars he would love 
two faced. And then on Sunday, uh, probably ruined by what happens tonight on Dynamite. But regardless, me and Sidgwick talk all about what needs to happen in AEW following double or nothing. But this has been Wrestle Culture. My thanks to Phil Chambers. So, Michael Hamlet, thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Wrestling. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.